This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my, she's got this, Brie Tucker co-host. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I love how you, you reflect a lot back I just, on what shirt I'm wearing. Yeah, this, it's the shirt. The it's kind of a lazy way of introduction, honestly, but <laughs> hey, I like it. It shares but a lot do, of my personality. You do got this. It does. You got this indeed. We all got this right now as like, it's, you know, it's all been a year. It's been a year for all of us. And- I know. I know. This is like, rear come at you guys. This is like post. 4th of July. So I don't know about everybody else, but that's about the, this is the point out here in Arizona where I start to sweat it because that means my kids are going back to school in like a week or two. Yeah. And we Summer literally start over. to sweat it. Oh, I know. <laughs> right. But it, it's all good. Yeah, Don't it's get me good. started talking about weather. You know, I will go on that forever. But even like this whole pandemic year and all the things that it's taught us about our kids and how much we do and how much they're able to do. I think it really leads well into our podcast cast guest for today, Julia Lithcott-Hames. Yes, yes. I love her book. So like we were talking to her about, um, she actually has several books, mm-hmm. but uh, the first one was How to Raise an Adult. Which was phenomenal. Yes. That one was a book for parents. And then this one is for the generation that I want to say like young adults. Yep. The ones graduating college or in college. Your turn, How to Be an Adult. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one thing that this past year of the pandemic has taught us. All the skills that wow, our kids need to have. They do. They need to have a lot of them. And sometimes they've kind of been forced into demonstrating those skills, uh, especially if any member of the family has gotten sick during this pandemic year mm-hmm. and there's not wasn't as much outside help that we could bring in. Uh, right. Our kids really had to be a little bit more self-sufficient, which in some ways is good. In some ways, us as parents took over a little bit, a lot. Well, too. I think <laughs> I, I, with that being said, I think it also showed us how much we really were doing. 
Yes. So over the pandemic is when I really started pushing hard that my kids had to start helping cook Mm -hmm. because, oh my goodness, I had no idea how much of it was really on my shoulders because it was being broken up by so many things. So much. We had so much to think about. Right. And then when you didn't have those other things to break it up to like, you know, have the going out to eat or the times where the kids were at sports practice or whatever and you realize that it's all on your shoulders I was like man I'm doing a lot for you guys you you guys can start chipping in and these are skills that you're going to need because god forbid they go out and not have these skills yeah so Julie Lithgow-Hames she believes in humans and is deeply interested in what gets in our way she is the New York Times best-selling author of the anti-helicopter parenting manifesto I think that's really a good description of this book how to raise an adult which gave rise to a TED talk and has more than five million views Her second book is the critically acclaimed and award-winning prose poetry memoir, Real American, which illustrates her experience as a black and biracial person in white spaces. A third book, Your Turn How to Be an Adult, is out now. And that is the book that we're talking to Julie about. And we hope that you enjoy this interview. If you want to teach your kids how to make better friends, how to pick better friends, and how to be a better friend. Guys, my book's out. It's out. It's called Me and My Friendships. You can get it on Amazon.com or .ca or anywhere that you purchase your books. And it is specifically for kids ages six through nine. It leads them through activities and gives them lots of actionable tips and quizzes and will help them be a better friend and make better friends. So go get it now. We have a link for you in the show notes. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast, Julie. It is It is such an honor to have you here because I've been a fan of yours ever since I read How to Raise an Adult. And now you have a new book out and just welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Joanne, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. Really appreciate it. So for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Sure thing. In a nutshell, I am a 53-year-old Black biracial person. Uh, I live in Northern California, San Francisco Bay Area. I've got two kids, a 21-year-old son, 19-year-old daughter. My mother is very much part of our life. We all bought a home together to get our kids to the right public schools to be able to afford that. I've had three careers. I've been a lawyer. I've been a university administrator, and I made my way into the world as a writer around about 2012. I went back to school to try to develop some confidence that I could write books worth reading. And since that time, I have published three, and I'm just delighted to be in conversation with people who care about humans. My work is fundamentally about trying to help humans thrive, trying to remove the obstacles in our path. And my books all try to get at that in one way or another. Wow. I I love your story and that wealth of experience and all those different faucets. I mean, it makes it so that it's so true. And you have so much knowledge on different areas that I think a lot of us would be totally clueless on. 
Well, I, you know, it's funny, the work that I do doesn't emanate from the the things that I've studied necessarily. As I've said, I'm a lawyer. Um, originally, I no longer practice, but I think that brings uh, a little bit of that analytical capacity. I'm also deeply empathetic about humans. I have this big heart that just wants to serve and support and care. And I think I'm really intuitive about human pain. When I sit with somebody and they're telling me their story, I'm often asking them questions that they don't realize they've teed up for me. They say, how did you know? And I'll say, to me, it's like they've shared it with me that some difficulty with their mom or some challenge at work or some deep seated insecurity. And I'll lean into that and say, wow, you know, do you want to talk more about that? And they don't realize they've shared it. And um, it's because they haven't verbally shared it. They've kind of, it's between the lines, but I am that person who, who hears those things. And anyway, it just makes me, I think, aware of what's going on with humans and deeply interested in trying to care and support And I love the perspective and the experience that you're writing from because you used to be a freshman dean, right, at Stanford University. Mm -hmm. And the experiences you write about in your book, How to Be an Adult, about dealing with kids just coming into college, I imagine they're a great, like, inspiration to now the work you do in, like, your newest book, Your Turn. Absolutely. That first book, How to Raise an Adult, is on the harm of helicopter parenting when parents do too much. Right right? Overmanage, micromanage, pull them down the path of life, push them from behind, handle, fix everything. And it's ostensibly made me a parenting expert. But I will tell you now with the publication of this new book, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult, it was always about the kids. Mm -hmm. It was always about me caring about young people being impeded in their attempts to move forward, in their attempts to make progress. There's a manner of parenting, as you know, that gets in the way of kids and of us thriving. Let's not forget that. And this new book is me directly talking to young people to try to be very compassionate around what their challenges are and also to illuminate what a wonderful, healthy, happy, productive, successful adult life sounds like and feels like. What were some of the things that you were seeing while you were an advisor to these students just entering college that kind of prompted you to write to them about how to be an adult? So let me be clear that what I was seeing at Stanford was what deans and advisors and faculty and staff were seeing on every campus. This wasn't a Stanford problem. I just happened to be working there when the evidence of how childhood had changed was showing up on a university or college campus. Things like parents wanting to talk to a professor when parents slash kids were not happy with a grade. Parents wanting to register their student for class, not trusting that the student could or not feeling that the student should have to. Parents getting concerned when the student was having a roommate dispute and wanting to be involved. Basically, parents doing what I would call the -the run-of-the-mill stuff of life for college students. And I found myself in this cognitive dissonance like, hey, wait a minute, they could be in the Army or the Marines. Instead, they're here on a campus with a huge safety net. Why do parents... Why are they so afraid that their kid is going to fail or just be a disaster if they don't intervene in these ways? So my new book, Your Turn, doesn't presume everyone has been overparented, but it is for anybody who's feeling stuck in this phase of life we call adulting. And what I'm trying to, I think one of the dominant themes is this is your life, no one else's. It is not up to anyone else to tell you what to do or how to do it. It's not for them to manage it. Adulting is you're more or less in charge of yourself. And in this book, I'm trying to make that sound 
exciting as opposed to like a drudgery, like, oh no, I'm in charge of myself. No, it's great. It is great. And so that's, you know, that's sort of what I'm trying to continually shout in this book. It is great. And one of the things, like the big things you mentioned right at the beginning of the book is this idea of fending for yourself. Um, And you had a great story about the first time that you remember that you had to fend for yourself. Can you share that about moving Yeah. So it reflects the fact that I'm a pretty privileged person, raised middle class, didn't have a whole lot of struggle in childhood. My way of paying homage to those who may have come up poor or working class and had a rougher childhood and they learned a lot from it and and had to fend sooner. They got a set of skills um, earlier than more affluent kids did. My I know I'm an adult moment happened when I just graduated law school, newly married. We're moving from the East Coast here to California for me to start up at a law firm. And there's a fire in our moving truck. And I get that phone call telling me that while we're staying back East with my parents waiting for the truck to make its way across country. So I'm given this information. There's nothing I can do in the moment, but I'm told in three days, we'll know more information, you know, and you can come and and see your stuff. And my husband and I were, I, I relay this news to my husband and my parents were about to have dinner. And my husband And I looked at each other like, oh, shit, you know, this is terrible. All of our stuff is in there, including our love letters and our couch and our everything. And yet we knew it was ours to handle. My parents were there. They were very compassionate. Oh, no, this is terrible. Oh, we're so sorry. My goodness. But there was nothing in them that said, we need to fly to California. We need to get on the phone. We need to handle this. They signaled by not doing that, that they knew we had the capacity to deal with this bureaucratic nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so it was so clear. They knew we were adult enough. We knew we were, which wasn't about, we're going to be perfect at this, or we're going to, you know, handle it all flawlessly, but just more, you have the capacity. We have confidence in you. My parents reflected that. And we were also feeling it internally. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here, and let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick Trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. 
Hey all, it is Joanne. And Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. That's a huge, huge gift that parents can give their kids. I mean, when when I read your story, I was reminded of a time that I had to fend in my own life. And long story short, I basically ruined a car and it was stranded like a hundred miles away. And I had to figure out a way by myself to get it out of the garage and pay for everything. I was so mad at the time that my dad was like not stepping in to help me, but That was one of my defining moments of my adulthood and knowing that I could then handle stuff even when I didn't know the answer right away. And let's get to that because there are people listening who are like, that's so cruel. Why didn't her dad step in? Why didn't Julie's parents who knew more and maybe had more money and whatever could have helped with that? And here's the point. We have to know that our kids are learning to do things for themselves Mm -hmm. because one day we'll be dead and gone. Yes. We parents just show up all the time to handle it because, yeah, we are typically more capable, more educated. We have more money for a long time vis-a-vis our kids. Mm -hmm. Of course we could, but if we constantly do, our kid never will learn. And then when the really big thing happens, they'll have had no practice from the smaller things at navigating a bureaucracy and talking to strangers and dealing with setbacks and having to come up with a plan B or a plan C and dealing with the emotions of all of that. Mm -hmm. Life is an active verb. And when we overparent and rescue all the time, we're depriving our kids from living and from all the lessons they would learn if we had stepped back. You know, we we need to be the safety net. Obviously, we don't want our kids to drive off a cliff or fall, you know, drown in the ocean. But short of those disastrous things, much of life is this opportunity for our kids to continually learn and grow. And we're supposed to delight in that instead of being afraid of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are afraid of it because we see our kids suffer and we feel their suffering almost as our own when really it's their suffering and they need to figure out a way out of it. While we stand there, as you said, kind of like the safety, making sure that like nothing horribly goes wrong, right? but also letting them experience the pain. Joanne, bringing compassion. Yes. I read people like Brene Brown. I read Bill Johnson. I read so many people who write in this space. And what they all say is be compassionate, bring, validate the emotion. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Are you okay? How are you? What is this feeling like for you? I'm so sorry this has happened. All of that validating the emotion, they need that. And then we can pause and say, you know, 
okay, so let me know if you need advice or thoughts, but I think you've probably got this or how do you think you're going to handle this? I'm always here to share my thoughts if you need them. We, we're we not meant to ignore them or abandon them, but simply to show up more alongside them as a consultant, as Ned Johnson, Bill would say, yes. instead of like the handler. Yeah. Yep. You know what I think is crazy? There is so much research and so much being shared and written about the importance of allowing our kids to do things on their own and the importance of us kind of taking a, a bit of that step back and watching our children do things, being there for support when they need us. And yet we still seem to be stuck. It's almost like we're like, I'm, I'm thinking back to growing up in the Midwest, like we're stuck in the mud, like our cars, <laughs> just keep spinning just those wheels, doing the same thing, knowing yeah. that the research doesn't say it's good. Matter of fact, research says the exact opposite, but as parents, we're still doing it. I know. Why is that, Brie? I think part of it is there's a short-term benefit when we are always there. Mm, We prevent the skinned knee, to quote Wendy Mogul's book. We prevent the hurt feeling because we intervened before there was a hurt feeling. We prevent the zero on the homework because we drove the homework to school when they forgot it. We prevent the coach being unhappy because we brought the lacrosse stick when they forgot it. We're achieving something for our kids. So therefore, it looks like it works. Like all of this hovering parenting appears to work. It's simply short-term gain, long-term pain. All of that doing for them deprives them of the long-term skill that they need. We are, in a biblical sense, it is said you're supposed to teach a man to fish instead of give a man a fish. And I think the parenting parable is really give the fish, but also teach to fish. You've got to give them some fish, but you're also teaching them to fish. If you constantly give your kid a fish, they will never learn to fish. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, I've had friends who tell me their stories about going out of state to college and they, they came home within a week because they couldn't handle being that far away from their family and having to do things on their own. And it's yeah. like never being given that independence, never being given those skills. Like Bree and I talk all the time about Bree shares her story about not knowing how to do laundry or uh, can. Yeah, I went, I went away to college and my, I, and it's funny because college was definitely my defining moment. So like when I went to college and this wasn't my defining moment, uh, my mom hadn't allowed us to do laundry growing up. And it was because my mom was a nurse and my dad is colorblind and he ruined all of her, her hospital scrubs. <laughs> After that, no one was allowed to touch laundry, which none of us thought about till Brie went away to college. And after the first week of school, I'm all like, oh, what am I supposed to do with the laundry here? <laughs> <laughs> and luckily I had a roommate who took care of me. I also did not know how to work a manual can opener. That was also interesting. <laughs> but eventually my parents moved out of state and I had to live on my own out there. Like I went from being an hour away from my parents to being two time zones away when they moved. Yep. And so that's when I learned to adult. That was my aha moment of, oh, crap, there's nobody here to help me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, crap is kind of the refrain of young adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where are the adults? Oh, crap. Oh, it's me. Oh, no. crap. It's me now. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's also be clear. You're not expected to know everything when you leave home. Right. Right. I mean, how no parent is going to have that. 2000 page checklist of taught them to iron, taught them to laundry, taught them to use a manual can opener. I mean, there are just too many variables, Mm -hmm. right? But no, having been taught enough stuff so you can then sort of extrapolate like, well, I know how to do this. Maybe I can figure this thing out, which is related, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing I am capable in some arenas, maybe I can grow stronger in this new arena accordingly. It's when you've had everything handled that you're totally bewildered and lost and frightened. That friend of yours who moved home, 
let's not laugh at them. No. Let's not point a finger at them. This was done to them. They had such a protected, sheltered, everything handled for them childhood that, of course, the real world feels absolutely terrifying. We've done that. We got to roll that back. I am working on repatterning with my own kids. I got a 21-year-old and 19-year-old, as I said at the outset, and I am working at repatterning some of my overparenting tendencies based on my anxiety about everything needs to be a certain way. I am doing the work on myself. And that's what this comes down to, y'all, right? When we talk about no guilt mom, right? We don't want to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. We want to be looking after ourselves. What do I need to do to take care of what's going on within me so that I can give my kid the chance to learn? so that I can give them the proper psychological distance. So I don't act like they're my little pet that I have to just constantly march down the path of life on a leash. And that internal work, whether with a coach or with a therapist um, or just great conversations with people who get it really helps us. And of course the dividend is our kid then can flourish and be well because we're not encroaching on their life. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before, and when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
Yeah, it's all about that, the self-compassion for ourselves that then lets yep. us really look at our own parenting behaviors and then change them accordingly. Like, even though like we talk about this all the time, like you said, like we're still like as humans still working on it ourselves. I mean, yesterday, for instance, I had so many repairmen in my house. And what happened was uh, my dog, uh, she was in the office with me. And then I was, I was just working. And all of a sudden I hear barking downstairs and it's my dog barking at the dishwasher repairman. And my daughter is sitting on the couch, like five feet away. And I'm like, why didn't you just go get her? Like, why didn't you do this? I like ran downstairs and she's like, I couldn't, I don't know how I don't like, and she's 12. And I'm like the hairball yesterday too. Yeah. And, but I'm like, okay, we need to do some work here. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids will do the same thing. I think it's a common thing. I think that they learn that from each other. Hey, 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 this worked last week at my house. Try saying you don't know how to do it. (laughs) Here's the thing. Another author I love is McLean Duclef and you should have her on your podcast. I have not heard of her before. I will need to. And she goes and visits three very traditional indigenous societies, one in the Arctic, one in a Mayan community, one in Tanzania. And she gets back to basics. She's like kids there to this day, grow up competent, confident, emotionally regulated. And it's because their parents from an early age, just nod their head like this and say, we're making dinner, nod your head, smile and walk in the direction of the kitchen and your little ones will follow. And that's how they learn to chop with a safe little plastic knife while you're chopping with a big knife, making dinner. You know, when you say we're doing the laundry now and you just signal, let's go, the younger they are, the more they will follow. And it just becomes natural. They're not going to be like, I don't know how they're going to be proud that they do know how, and they're going to look for other ways in which they can contribute. Because as McLean says, it gives them a sense of family membership card. It's like, Mm -hmm. I belong here. How do I know? Cause I'm expected to do things and it doesn't feel like punishment or drudgery. It's like, I'm respected and valued. I contribute. Yes. It's not like that that chore being forced upon you. I value, I contribute. I'm valued. Oh, I love all that. Definitely. That's amazing. And they get so much pride out of the things they know how to do too. We all do. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And we know how frustrating it is in the workplace. If we're micromanaged, if your boss always checks in or always has to slightly redo what you did, that's what overparenting is at home. It's so frustrating. You roll your eyes. You just want to like shake them off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be doing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I see some things in, in my parenting that I could do better in that area as well. well we're all growing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Julie said, we're all growing. I did it too. I've yeah. written a book, but I'm, I'm learning from the advice I give other people. <laughs> Isn't that it's so like, funny? Well, right? when you teach it, you learn it better. Yes. True that. And that's always how it's been. Absolutely. So I think teaching is like the best thing you can do for yourself and for others. Yeah. The the more we've been doing this, like with the podcast, I'm finding it very interesting that so many of us that we we know enough that we feel like we can share with others. Yet when we're sharing with others, they get so shocked when we tell them like, dude, I'm still working on this too. Yeah. (laughs) We're not perfect. (laughs) On a regular basis. Not perfect. I've learned that being vulnerable about my own struggles um, helps my readers and people if I'm giving a keynote it just helps them relate. They don't feel judged. They feel seen and supported. Mm-hmm. And we can all laugh about the silly things Julie has done. And then we can all think, okay, what I do differently when I find myself in that same circumstance. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so Julie, what do you have coming up that you're excited about? Well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that could be exciting if you've been busy. <laughs> 
I, my book is fairly new. It's been out for about eight weeks now. So it's your turn, how to be an adult. That's what I'm most excited about, trying to make sure it gets to young adults, 18 to 34. But frankly, older people are reading it too and saying, I see myself in this book. I, I'm, I love it. Yes, right. Because it's just a mirror showing you what you need to see about your own life your own work choices, relationship choices, identity, self-care, money, you know, how to deal when things go badly. And so I'm delighted about this book and would love for people to just, if you're interested in adulting, whether you are working on it yourself, supporting a young adult who is, or you're just looking to make a major life change and need some stranger to give you permission, that's what my book is going to do. And it's available wherever books are. And you can find out more about me on my website, julielifcotthames.com. Follow me on social, Hames everywhere, maybe even TikTok. We'll see. <laughs> well, it has been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate being with you and your listeners. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks. So I've loved Julie's books, but talking to her was amazing, especially when she was talking about this short-term pain versus long-term pain that we're really need to be more focused on as a parent. Yeah, it was amazing to hear it described in that way, because mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that we know in the back of our head yeah. that we're kind of doing, or maybe we don't know, maybe we just have that gut feeling that something is off. But when that is actually laid out there, so simple that we're doing short-term gains by making sure that we cook dinner, four different dinners for everybody because everybody has different food yeah. options or by doing the laundry for the kids because they just don't seem to be able to fold them and put them away without mm-hmm. being completely wrinkled. We have clean and put away clothes for the time being, but long term, it's like our kids never learn those skills. Long term, they're going to go off to college and not know <clears throat> how to do laundry. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Free speaking from experience. I was going to say, no, no personal experience there or anything like that. I remember being like so against being taught how to do laundry. And I think I've shared this before, but like my grandma, she used to come to our house every week to do laundry because my mom worked a full-time job. So that's how my grandma came over and helped out. And I remember my grandma took me aside when I was 17 and was like, here's how you fold pants. And I was so huffy puffy about learning how to fold pants. And she's like, fine, Joanne, just fine. And I'm like, I'm sorry. But I never... I I learned the basics of how to fold pants, but Uh I put up such resistance to it. And now I'm seeing that as an adult that that's, it's just normal. That resistance that our kids put to us teaching them things, it's just normal. Right. And it doesn't mean like that adults don't quit on your kids when you do, when they do this, expect it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And know that they need that. They need, yeah. They need to sit there because that was another thing she talked about, like Mm -hmm. those moments where you have that first real struggle. Yeah. That you have to figure out the problem solving on your own. And the best thing we can do as parents is just say, I believe in you that you can do this. Mm -hmm. If you need the cheering, the coaching, I'm here, but I'm not going to bail you out. No. And like try and try again and leave them, let them fail let them fail Mm -hmm. because you're there to catch them if they fail too hard, but you want them to fail a little bit. Yeah. So I feel that pain. So we hope that you enjoyed the No Guilt Mom podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, can you do us a quick favor? Can you leave us a review? And we hope that we earned your five stars, but getting those reviews really helps everyone else find the podcast. So it means a lot, a lot to us. And we actually have a link in the show notes with a little tutorial video on how to do that if you'd like a little bit extra help. So, so glad to have you guys here. So remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we will see you later. Thanks for stopping by.
No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 